Hi, I'm Cheryl, and I'm part of the staff here at Menlo Church. And we are in a series that we've entitled, You Were Made for This. We're talking about what it is that God has uniquely designed us for. I feel like most of us, someplace in our journey, have paused and wondered, why am I here? Right? What am I made for? And we have dreams, we have desires to make an impact on our world. For some, it's a big impact. For others, I think for all of us at some level, we want to at least have impact on the people in front of us. You're a dad who wants to leave a legacy in the life of your children. You're a mom who wants to leave your mark, a grandparent, a friend. Maybe you're the CEO of a company and you just want the people that work with you and for you to be different because of their encounter with you. That's what we want to talk about today. What is, what is the impact that God wants to do through us? If you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1. Let me pray and we'll uh, dive into that passage. Father, I just... I thank you that you are a God who is present. That you are a God who is present with us. That you are a God who creates with intention. That you made us for yourself and for our world. And we ask you now, as we look at your word, would you speak to us? I love that you are a God who can speak to every person in the room uniquely and personally. And I ask you to do that even now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're in Genesis 1, starting in verse 26. And this is a passage that I think we've looked at almost every week in this series, but we have to come back to it because it's so rich with meaning and there's so many layers to it. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. There is this invitation when God created humanity for humanity to share in ruling with God, to partner with God. We've talked about that in the past weeks. Verse 27, so God created humankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Gender is an intention of God. God's creation of us as image, image bearers is his intention for us. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And this passage is by, known by scholars and commentaries as the creation mandate. That's what um, biblical scholars would call this. This idea of a grand purpose for humanity. 
the commissioning of God to be fruitful and increase in number. And it's a theme that runs all the way through the Bible. We could say so much about this, but what I want to focus on today is I want to talk about blessing and fruitfulness. Blessing and fruitfulness. And blessing, now certainly the scripture speaks of blessing as a, you can bless another person with encouraging words. You can speak blessing on somebody. The scripture even speaks of blessing God. The psalmist will cry out, um, bless the Lord, O my soul, right? Giving honor to God, giving honor to others. But I would suggest that contextually here, the blessing that is on display is the nearness of God that the blessing here is that God is present, that this God has created, not from a distance, he hasn't created like some of the ancient Near Eastern gods, he hasn't created and then left, but the blessing is that the God who is with you gives you dignity and calling and purpose, and his blessing is his nearness. A life lived with God is a blessed life. So there's blessing in this passage, this creation mandate, Uh, but there's also fruitfulness. Increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it, rule over it. The language is actually the idea of gently caring for, gently care for this creation. And of course, there are the implications of procreation, that there is a dignity to having children, but there's more to it, I think. And sometimes we can take this and we can almost make an idol out of having children. And so the person who maybe can't have children or the person who chooses not to have children can feel ostracized in a church. And so I want to make sure we understand that, yes, there is great dignity to having children, to having families. And that's actually contextually here. uh, The emphasis is to procreate, to have children, to, to fill the earth. But there's a spiritual implication. And it's an implication that we're gonna see through this, through the whole scripture. And that's why we understand this, to have spiritual implications where many theologians will connect the creation mandate with the Great Commission. And I'll kind of show you how that ties together. But there is this, there is this sense here that when God created and he says, fill the earth, he's wanting them to fill the earth with something specific, image bearers. And that's the spiritual implication that we can all participate in. How do we fill the earth with those who bear the image of God, right? And what is it? We've talked about this again in this series, but to be an image bearer is certainly it's to reflect God, to reflect his glory. Uh, The psalmist will speak of the world being filled with the glory of God. There's this sense of a cosmic connection between image bearing and glory. Let me show you this. This Psalm 8 says this. 
what is humankind, the psalmist cries out, what is humankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Basically, the psalmist is saying, why humans? What is it about humans? He goes on, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. There is something about being human that is connected to the glory of God. That's why image bearing, certainly, um, there's so many layers to it, and there's hundreds of books on what does it mean to be an image bearer. Um, but the temptation is to connect image bearing to just productivity, what you do for God, right? But this mark of glory stamps all creation. It's why we value and give dig dignity to the unborn child. It's why we value and give dignity to the person in a coma who's maybe not being productive, but they're beautiful because they have the stamp, the mark of God himself. Every, every human is made in the image of God. That's why we value, again, the, the medically fragile or those who are different. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, John mentioned this passage last week, again tells us that there's something about image and glory. Remember John mentioned when Moses would go and meet with God, uh, after meeting with God, he'd have to put on a veil because uh, the glory of God was shining, emanating from him in such a way that people couldn't take it. It's just like being overwhelmed with beauty and goodness. It's, it's like we can't, even, we can't even take it. And so Moses would put on a veil. And then uh, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, and in the context, whenever anyone turns to Jesus, when they go from turning away from God to turning to him, that's faith. That's placing our trust in him. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That's the beauty of what Jesus has accomplished for us. There's no separation now between us and God. The veil is removed. The glory is shining through. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, this is the key passage here, and we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. The glory of God is his worthiness. It's his, the word in the Hebrew is, it's a word for weight. It's his value, and we're being transformed more and more into that image of God. It's, we've talked about this before, but um, there, it's one of those things that we are, we are becoming, and we will be, right? Every person is made in the image of God, but that image is marred through sin and turning away from God. But as Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians, but that image is being transformed more and more. And ultimately, that image will be perfected in Christ. 
the creation mandate, the grand purpose that we are invited into is to be image bearers who fill the earth with image bearers. That God's glory, his beauty, his worth, his goodness, there's many who would say that glory and goodness are, are used simultaneously in, in the scripture, that his goodness would go forth over all the earth. And this theme goes from Genesis and it moves into the New Testament. And so what we see in the New Testament, as I mentioned before, many will conjoin the creation mandate with the Great Commission, which is what Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, We see Jesus after his resurrection, he gathers his little band of disciples. Those are people who follow him. And he says to them, go and make disciples of all nations. Similar, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Fill the earth with those who follow me. Fill the earth with those who are living with unveiled faces, who have turned to the Lord, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. To be baptized is to identify yourself with with another person, with with another one that you're following. And in this, this, what Jesus is saying is identify them, have them be identified. Their identity, the very core of who they are is found in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always. There's the blessing, right? His presence going with them always to the very end of the age. We see it again in Acts chapter one, where Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's the blessing. The Holy Spirit is God with us. And not just God with us, not just God before us or God behind us or God to our side, but God in us. This is the blessing. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, indwells you, is with you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. You will be fruitful. You will fill the earth with those who are also disciples, also followers of Jesus, also those who bear the image. So, What does this mean for us? What do we do with this? Well, first, blessing. Receive the blessing. Receive the nearness of God to you. If you have never paused and just stopped and said, Jesus, I receive your blessing. I receive your nearness. I receive your presence. You can do that even now. Receive the blessing and extend the blessing, right? There's this moment where God calls a guy named Abraham and he tells him, you're going to be blessed by me. You're going to be blessed and you're going to be a blessing because I'm going to create a great nation through you. I'm through you. I'm going to fill the earth with worshipers of mine. 
receive the blessing, extend the blessing. Be present with people. Be present as one extending goodness and glory. Blessing. Second, fruitfulness. Be fruitful. Join in the filling of the earth with image bearers. And what I would say is this is the journey of discipleship. We don't use that language a lot, but it's all over the Bible. Uh, Jesus had disciples, people who followed him, apprenticed to him, learned from him. And then, as mentioned in Matthew 28, he said, now you, go make disciples. Fill the earth with those who follow me. And we get to be a part of that. We get to do it in our jobs. We get to do it with our families. We get to help people find and follow Jesus. That's the purpose of the church. And I want to introduce you, actually, to somebody who's doing that here. There's hundreds of you at Menlo Church who are doing this kind of thing, helping to join in the mission of making disciples. And one of those people is Christine Miao. She's a part of our student ministries at the Mountain View campus. Uh, she's been serving there for six years. She works with a group of students who are now uh, juniors in high school. Uh, she started, she and her friend Cindy started uh, working with them, serving with them when they were in sixth grade. Anyway, I'll let her tell her story, but I want to bring her out. I know I didn't tell you this because uh -huh. uh, I'm going to ask you some questions okay. that we talked about. But um, before I do, I want you to watch this screen right okay. now. Christine, when you serve and when I see you smile, I see Jesus, the light that's inside of you. It is just the light of God, and I think that's really so special. I carry your wisdom with me and your advice, and it's all kind of contributed into forming who I am, and you guys set examples for who I want to become. And I feel really safe and comfortable with you to like talk to, to get advice from, and to just be someone who like embodies the spirit of Christ and helps me remember that I always need to focus on God first. Christine, you've been such a blessing to my life. I can text you anytime and I know you'll always respond. I feel like I can depend on you like a second mom and I just really appreciate it. You're just like someone who I can confide in and I know for a fact that you're not gonna judge me. You just make it feel like a community, like a safe place, almost like a family. I think you just are honest and you've always taken care to consult the Bible and just really been dedicated to my spiritual journey. You have always been there and you've always been constant in our lives. So thank you so much, Christine. You've been such a huge blessing in my life and it really just, church would not be the same without you. And I just really appreciate you for everything that you've done for us throughout these five years. So. Okay. <laughs> I know I kind of tricked you. I was not you. prepared for that. <laughs> You're tricky. You got I'm me. I'm tricky. I'm a trickster. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, certainly you have blessed these girls that you've served with for five, six years, right? Yeah. Um, you, you, you hear their words to you. And what, are you what are you kind of feeling right now? Oh, I'm feeling all the feels. <laughs> I was, I'm very caught off guard. I'm feeling very humbled and <laughs> I'm very blessed um, to have seen that. Um, that was incredible, and I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. Well, I know. <laughs> I'm so emotional. Yeah, well, no, no. And I just, you know, you shared with me uh -huh. that uh, 
you, you didn't really want to do student ministries. Yes, I definitely uh, did not want to work in student ministry. Um, back in 2016, I was at church, and I was feeling really dry in my faith. And so I was asking God, what is a way that I can jumpstart my faith and start feeling again? And I felt like God asked me two questions that Sunday. He was asking me, what is one thing I have a hard time giving away and one thing I'm scared of? And so two things came to mind, time yeah. and teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a little backstory, I, I had a really uh, awkward, I don't know, you guys probably think the same thing, that you had an awkward um, teenage period in your life, and I have a lot of hurts and uh, regrets from that time. Mm. And so whenever I see teenagers, I'm I'm almost 40, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, act cool. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. not a big deal. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I, uh, I try to block out that phase of my life. Mm. So when God told me youth group, I was like, no, I'd rather scrub church toilets. <laughs> <laughs> so I, was, I made a deal with God. I was like, okay, God, I'm going to walk up to the youth pastor and if he says there is an opening, I'll do it. But if he says no, I, I'm done. I'm not, no strings attached. So I walk up to the youth pastor. And of course, he says, we definitely need life group leaders. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so that started my journey Yeah, in so you jumped in. Yeah. I jumped in. Uh, yeah. The girls I had were in sixth grade at the time, all braces, 10 years old, very fidgety. And um, it's been a blessing just mm -hmm. watching them grow over the years. Now they're almost 17 and driving. Um, and I just love watching them transform, yeah. you know, in, in their faith. Yeah. And through well, this, it's uh -huh. clear that you had an, have had an impact on them, but how have they impacted you? Oh, how has serving in student ministry has been a blessing for you? In so many ways. Um, you know, I came in thinking with my ego, I'm going to come and mm -hmm. I'm going to shake things up and I'm going to teach things. Mm -hmm. But really, God used this ministry to serve me, which has been so humbling and surprising. I didn't know that was going to happen. And through every sermon, uh, every worship time, every missions retreat, like every time I've attended these things, I feel like God is speaking to me and kind of bringing me back to the foundations and healing me little bit by little bit through my brokenness as a youth, uh, as a teenager. Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember one time in Mexicali, we were on the missions trip, and um, I was just, like, so moved just watching my girls just sway to the music and, like, lift their hands to Jesus while during worship uh, in Mexico. And I was so touched by that. And then one of my girls just kind of beckoned me over. She's like, come on, Christine. Like, come join us. And I just felt like 13-year-old me was feeling like, God is accepting me right now. Like God accepted me when I was 13. Yeah. He loves me. And he loved, he loved me when I was a teenager and he loved me now. And it's, it was just so amazing. And I, I've been really, I feel like I've been healed through yeah. this ministry. Yeah, well, we're thankful for you. I know you're, you have your own business. You're a wife. You're a mom of two littles. Uh, or maybe not so little anymore, but uh, you've got a busy life. So you, the time thing is real. You've given yeah. us your time and we Thank you for that, joining us in a mission of helping students find yeah. and follow Jesus. So, Christine, thank you so much, and thanks for just being here today. It's been a pleasure. Me. Yeah, thank so you. fun to get to know you. There are so many ways that we can be blessed and we can be fruitful. We can be blessed by living in the awareness of God's presence with us. We can be fruitful, joining in that creation mandate and that commissioning that Jesus gives us to go 
as you go, the language there is as you go, wherever you are, in your workplace, in your home, uh, at school, that you can make disciples, help people find and follow Jesus. That's what that's about. And so we want to be people who live in the blessing. We are a blessing and we step into a life of fruitfulness, but there's a warning. And so uh, before we close, I want to I want to just share with you this cycle that I found as I was um, studying this. Um, there's a cycle that I saw showing up in the scripture and with it comes a warning and a gift. So jump in with me on my really fancy high-tech uh, chart here. And what I found as I was looking through the scripture is that there's this blessing, right? The presence of God, a God who is with us. And we see that showing up over and over and over again. God with us. Jesus, Emmanuel, the God who is with us. And then there's a commissioning or that mandate, that uh, creation mandate that, that we would be fruitful, that we would fill the earth. Jesus' language of that, that we would make disciples. And then there's this resistance, and it shows up multiple places in the scripture. It shows up actually in Genesis chapter 11, where we see God has given this mandate in Genesis chapter 1. He's given it again with Noah. And then we see this, and they said, this group of people said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Do you hear that? We need to make a city. We need to, we need to hunker down. We need to stay in our safe place because we might get scattered over the whole earth, which was the very thing they were created to do, right? To fill the earth to extend themselves. And then we have this resistance, but then we have this grace, this gift of God, his intervention. And I love this about God because they're gonna build this tower to make a name for themselves when really what they were created for was to make a name for God, right? His value, his worth, his glory. And so then it says this later, it says, um, so the Lord... So the Lord scattered them. The Lord scattered them uh, from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. What God does is there's a resistance by humanity, but then God comes in and he moves them towards their purpose. It was a gift to them to actually be scattered. We see the same kind of resistance. Remember, we talked about in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, filling the earth. But what do they do? They hunker down in Jerusalem. They, they do their holy huddle thing. They want to stay where, where it's safe, what they know. And then we come to Acts chapter 8, and it says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. This time, in the Genesis passage, God scatters them. 
This time it's persecution that scatters them, but God uses that persecution. I mean, I don't think he creates it. I don't think he invented it, but I think he says, I can redeem it. And now again, they're scattered and it's the same language. They're scattered to do what they were created to do. And so here's what I want us to see. You've been created with a blessing. God is with you and he's given you a commissioning, a purpose. He's given you mission. But then there's the temptation for resistance. And I just want to ask the question, where might you be resisting? Where might you, like I loved what Christine shared. She didn't want to work with teenagers. She didn't want to give up her time. There was a resistance, but she was willing to step into what God might have for her And in God's grace, he actually made what she was afraid of something that was fruitful, something that ended up being a blessing for her. Her opportunity to enter into this invitation to multiply, to help people find and follow Jesus, to fill the earth, right? So where are you resisting? And then where might you see God's gift, his grace? What what, what is he giving to you that's actually going to move you forward in what he's calling you to? My hope for us as a church is that we're people who live out of the blessing of God who is near us and with us and in us and join in his mission of fruitfulness. Father, I pray this for our community. Help us to do our work and our life, not just for you, but with you. And Lord, make us fruitful for your glory, for your good. In Jesus' name, amen.